Uh, Acts chapter 2 is where I'm going to turn, and uh, we started a series last week, ironically, before uh, all the crazy stuff happening in the world began to, to, to take place on being an overcomer. And I do believe that Jesus is not coming back for a church that's weaker than the one that he left. Can I get an amen? Come on, if I can get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod right now. You can give me a Presbyterian eyebrow raise or a Latter-day Saint deep breath. Come on, give me something. But I'm telling you that we, uh, we want to, we, wanna, we believe that God is coming back for a church that actually has his presence in it. And he's not coming back for a, a, a believer, a community of believers that are in the fetal position, sucking their thumbs, praying for God to rapture them. But we actually believe that he's coming back for a church that's full of his spirit, walking in signs and wonders and power. And I'm telling you today that uh, God is still alive. He's still doing the impossible. And I would even say to those that maybe are new today to our church, physically or digitally, why would these musicians sing with passion? Why do people raise their hands? Why do you get excited? Why are people getting emotional and, and demonstrative while they're singing? And I always tell people, if I was an atheist, I was at one point in my life. But if I was an atheist, I'd be far more suspicious of churches with no passion that claim their God is real than a church that's full of passion that says he's real. If he's real, it's all important. <laughs> if he's fake, it's not important. The only thing that Christianity cannot be is moderately be important. And so we believe that he, we're going to go all in today. Is that all right? And uh, we've been in a series called Overcomers. I do want to encourage you. We're not, we're not a quiet church. We usually talk back a little bit. You guys are far louder than the cameras. Those cameras, man, my gosh. They needed a good touch from God. And so uh, we're going to get after it this morning, though. And I want to talk to you about uh, being an overcomer today. Uh, and uh, I want to talk to you about... Um, what is needed? Is that all right? What is needed? I'll open up my notes here this morning. And uh, I, I do believe, um, I'll explain this a little bit today, but what you need is the title of my, my talk this morning, my message, Acts chapter 2. And uh, I just want to lay this out there. Uh, I'm not weird or boring, so if you get weirded out or bored today, you're weird and boring. It's a joke. Is that a, I'm just kidding. Um, but we're going to have a good time. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read 13 verses together today. And I do believe that God wants to love on some people. Um, and my heart would be, I was praying, obviously, a lot, of, a lot of things happening in America right now. And I know it's, 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 not, a, it's not a time, I guess, in many ways, it's, it's very serious what's happening in the world. Uh, a lot of brokenness, a lot of pain, injustice. Um, and I do want to just say, and we're going to kind of talk a little bit about it today, uh, but I do believe that the solution for humanity is, is found in the person of Jesus. Um, if you want to write this down, the heart of the human problem is actually the problem of the human heart. And there is no one on the earth more qualified to change a heart than the one that actually made the heart. And I, I've never seen anybody on social media uh, threads actually talk someone out of their viewpoint. Never seen someone convince somebody, hey, you need to believe what I believe about this topic. I've seen people argue for 30 years. I've seen 700,000 comments in a thread, but I've never seen, are you hearing me today? The only one that changes a heart is the one that made it. And I want to talk to you today, why would you talk about the Holy Spirit? Why would you talk about Pentecost, uh, the day of Pentecost? I believe it's because it is some of the greatest evidence. I want to, if I could, can I just talk a little before I preach? Is that right? Let me say something before I preach. Is that right? But I want to just say, I do believe that what we're facing today is not new. Can we agree on this? That evil has been in the world since the very beginning. That in the Bible days of Paul and Peter and all the other apostles, they dealt with racial issues. They dealt with sin issues. They dealt with perversion issues. Darkness is not a new concept in our day and age. Technology makes it more obvious, but it doesn't make it new. Can I get an amen? And so I want to I wanna share on this because I was praying all week, and for me, I'm a bottom line person. Any bottom line people in here? Like, I don't care. I don't listen to a lot of things until I get to the bottom line. My wife talks about redecorating the house. I don't hear anything until I hear the amount of money. Like, we're going to do new cabinets here and, like, new these marble countertops and da-da-da. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. 2,000. I got 2,000. Okay. 12, I got a number. Okay, I got it. I can listen to the rest of what you're saying now. I am a bottom line person, and I do believe that the bottom line is what I want to share today about what, what's going to bring unity, restoration, and health to our land. Acts chapter 2, let's read this. Uh, this is the birth of the church. This is the church's birthday today. And uh, that's what Pentecost Sunday is. It is the birth of the church. Pentecost is not a word you have to be scared of. Pentecost literally means 50, or 50th. And so uh, let, let's look at this this morning, 13 verses. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were uh, with one accord. There's two civics, but one accord. 
kidding, guys. I'm just sorry. Those are just jokes. Sorry. Making sure you're paying attention. And uh, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. It filled the whole house. How much of it? Whole house was filled. And uh, suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of, it was like, maybe not exactly, but it was like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared, it was like, uh, it was like divided tongues, he says. Luke goes, it was like fire. And one sat on each of them. This is where we usually, uh, you lose some parts of the body of Christ. When you start talking about this, they get, they get a little bit perplexed or confused. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's keep reading. This is very interesting. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout Jews, men from every nation, other nations, uh, scholars speculate probably 17 different people groups, 17 different dialects represented, languages represented in this, past, in this time of uh, celebration. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused. Can we stop there? Has anybody ever seen confusion over the things of God in the church? Has there ever been topics in the church that has created or incited confusion? 100%. It's not a new concept. Because everyone, this is why they're confused, they heard all these 120 Jewish people speaking in their own languages. They were speaking Swahili and Portuguese and, and Mandarin. They were speaking in their own languages, uh, and they heard them speaking. Then they were all amazed, and they marveled, saying to one another, look, at, look are not all these people Galileans? How in the world are all of them uh, speaking this language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, uh, that word, that word. You try. Egypt, parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own languages about the wonderful works of God. Preacher thought here real quick. I want you to know that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you don't get weird. You start talking more about the things of God. Evidence of the Holy Spirit is not getting strange. It's actually getting a, a greater appetite for the works of God. And he says this, they were amazed at it. They, so some were amazed, others were perplexed, saying to one another, what in the world could this mean? Others mocked, saying, they're full of Bud Light. No, no, it was Miller. Uh, no, new, new wine. Sorry. Peter, standing up, said to the eleven, raised his voice, said to them, men of Judea and all those who are in Jerusalem, let it be known to you. This Peter says, heed my words. These guys are not drunk as you suppose. He's like, the bars aren't even open yet. He's like, it's, it's the third hour of the day. But this is what Joel, the prophet, said. He said, in the last days. Anyone believe that we're in the last days? Who would say we're closer to the last days than these guys were? Amen. He said, it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on some flesh. Come on, help me out, Ocean's Church. Uh, come on, write it in your thread with those watching line. All flesh. Your sons and daughters will hear God and speak his words. They'll prophesy. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So if you're seeing visions, you're still young. If you're dreaming dreams, it's happened. And it goes on, and my maidservants, men servants will pour out my spirit in those days. And it goes on, and Peter gives this, this beautiful uh, exchange, and it just eloquently lays out who Jesus was, what Jesus did, what he's about. And this is what's interesting. When the gospel is truly preached, I'm going to talk, I'm going to do a message just on the good news in a couple weeks. When the gospel is truly laid out in full form, it always incites a response. Verse 37, watch what it says. It says, now when everyone, there was thousands there listening. When they heard it, they were all cut to the heart, it says. Cut to the heart. How many think there's some evil in the world that needs to be cut? How many think the evil starts in the, it talks about the flesh nature, the, uh, you know, all the bad attributes of humanity, they all originate in the heart. And it's interesting that when the Holy Spirit shows up on Pentecost, there is, a, there is an attack on the evil that's in the heart. They were all cut to the heart. Peter said to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, watch what they said. They said, what shall we do? I believe that when you really hear a message about who God is, it always creates this, this hunger inside you that goes, what do I got to do now? It doesn't make you apathetic. The good news shouldn't just make you grateful. It should make you godly. What shall we do? Peter says repent. Now, we don't like this word very much because of the people at sporting events with signs that have never led anyone to Jesus. But the word repent, it just means change your mind. How many think there's people in the world that need to have their minds changed? Change your mind. Every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. 
Christ for the remission of the sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask a question? Does anyone uh, pay for gifts? Is a gift a gift still if you pay for it? So gifts are only a gift if they are not something you earn. So that it's not something you do to earn the gift. Okay. Holy Spirit. Oh, are you still with me today? Sorry, I'm fired up. And it says this. Uh, can we do one more verse? Is that it? Uh, verse 38. We have that? Yeah, there's. For the promise is to you and to your children and to their children and to their children. To a thou. No? I like that song. It's a good song. I got a singing career ahead of me. And to all those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And uh, I want you to know that this promise is to all of us. And so uh, not some of us. And so I want to talk to you today a little bit on uh, what you need to be an overcomer, what you need. Is that right? Father, we thank you for today. We pray you'd bless this time together. We thank you that, God, there continue to be a hedge over this community. We thank you that not one person in our community, we prayed in the very beginning, we haven't, we haven't had one person in our community uh, pass away from COVID-19. I think we've had a few people, not even one person in our church that has contracted it. We have family members that have contracted it. But I thank you, Lord Jesus, that no one that's gone to this community has gotten. I just thank you that there would be a hedge over our building. This week, in the months, years to come, we pray blessing over your people. We pray that you would speak to your people today, online and in person. And we ask that you would continue to bless your team, the Los Angeles Lakers. In Jesus' name, if you're going to pray, come on, pray. Say amen. Amen. I try to pray for the Lakers every week. I would like to remind you, they were terrible when I moved here. And look what the Lord has done. You pray every week. Things, things happen. Hey, who likes food? Anybody like food in here? I'm trying to get rid of the COVID-19. You know what I'm saying? 19 pounds during COVID season. And uh, I, I like to eat. Actually, I only exercise so I can eat more. I kind of exercise to break even. You know what I'm saying? Most of my steps I get on my Fitbit are from the couch to the refrigerator. Um, people say, you know, how long have you been exercising? I said, I've been walking with the Lord uh, for 18 years. I tell people I no longer have a dad bod. I have a father figure. Come on. And uh, I'm at a point in my life, I'm 36. I look 35. I'm 36. I'm at a point in my life that I'll do whatever it takes to have a perfect body except eat less and exercise. Anything else. Um, but on a serious note, I do, I love eating. And uh, I don't know, since I was a little, little kid, my mom would always buy groceries. We always had food in our fridge, thank God. And um, I'll be honest, I, I don't know about you, but since I was young, all I remember about growing up is walking to the refrigerator, opening it up, and seeing stuff in there. It was full, but there was just nothing to eat. Anybody ever had that problem before? You walk to it, you're like, man, how can you have so much in here? And there's just nothing for me. It's such, a, it's, it's such a frustrating, I don't know about you, but my refrigerator has two ketchup containers. One is half full that we use. The other is a quarter full that's been there for six years. Anybody? I, I have, we've had soda, a liter of soda that's completely flat. Um, we, have, we have some mac and cheese and Tupperware from three weeks ago. We got a Starbucks from 20 hours ago that's completely melted. You ever been there before? Who's ever put a, who's ever put a milkshake from In-N-Out in the freezer? You're never going back to that thing. Just throw it away. I've been hungry before. I like to eat. And um, I don't know, uh, while I was thinking about this, I was praying this week. I had this picture. Is that you usually, you know, I'll get to a point that I'm like, I'm going to make something in my house. And so I'll open up the cupboard. I'll grab something from the cupboard. I have a couple little props. This is my first sermon props in 90 weeks. It's a big day. It's a big moment for me. I'm moving to Texas. Changing my name to Ed Young. And uh, I uh, got to, you know, I'm like, Organic mac and cheese. I belong in Orange County, yeah. Um, but I was thinking about, you know, you go to the cabinet and you get, come on, the, the San Francisco treat. Um, you go to the cupboard, you get a box, and it's interesting, on every box there's a picture. Picture's always super enticing, right? Makes you make bad decisions. So you see this picture, like, that looks good. And usually what you do is you turn it over. I don't know, for me, I'm not, a, I'm not an ingredients person usually. I kind of, I don't make things the same way. I like to cook. I make salsa. I don't have a recipe. I just do it different every time. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's great. <laughs> Got them. And uh, I was thinking about, you know, you start cooking and uh, usually, I don't know if you've been there before. You ever started making something, you commit to it, but about halfway through you realize you're missing an ingredient. Who's ever tried to come on, make mac and cheese and there's no dairy products in your house? You have that moment of panic, like, I'm going to water. 
It's going to happen. And whenever you actually try to substitute an ingredient from, from a, a, a key ingredient on the back of the box to an improvised ingredient, it usually never ends up looking or tasting. Can we agree on this? That when you don't use the actual original ingredients, let me go a little deeper. If you don't use the actual chef's original ingredients, the manufacturer of the product, if you don't actually use what they recommend you using, it's really difficult to end up with the final result that actually is what they intended. And I don't know if you've ever read the Bible before, but you've ever read the Bible and you're like, man, those early disciples, they look a little different than what I'm seeing in the mirror. I don't, maybe just me, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just a pastor, but I, I think sometimes like, man, these guys had a supernatural element about their community. People with sickness got healed. People with darkness got liberated. People with diseases got, 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 got touched. There, there was people that had things that medicine couldn't fix. There was things that physicians couldn't solve. Counselors couldn't counsel out. There was things that could only be casted out. There was something in the early church, Francis Chan calls it a supernatural element. There was something in the early believers when you read the book of Acts that if we're being honest today in this building, we don't always see physically active still in the church today. And I started thinking about what do you do in a world that wants this outcome, but it seems like we're trying to make what the Bible talks about, but we keep on creating dishes that don't quite look like it, don't quite taste like it, and aren't quite accurately portraying the manufacturer's original design. Is that all right? I was thinking about this this week, and uh, it's interesting. The back of this box, it says what you need. Back of it, just really, thank, thank God, rice aroni, the San Francisco treat. The, uh, all you need is two tablespoons of butter or margin, little diabetes, um, and um, two, cup, two and a half cups of water. If you have that, you can actually make what's, what's on the cover. And I was, I was reading through this week, and I, I started praying, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, Mark, if we're going to actually go after the, the heart of the human problem, we actually have to go after the original uh, designs of the church. A couple thoughts here is, uh, if you're taking notes, I just have three points for you, and then I'll have a few more. Is that all right? First point I have for you today is uh, I do believe that the reason why they actually got the result that they got was because they were in the right position. I actually believe that God could be willing, could be able, could desire... But if you're not in the right position, you'll miss out on what he wants to do. There could be active bus stops. I love going to Laguna Beach in the summertime. There's a resort we like to stay at there, and we'll go there before school starts. We've been trying to make it like a tradition every year. And you can take the trolleys. You take the trolleys before Laguna Beach. Three of you. You guys need to get a little bit more. You take the trolleys to Laguna Beach. But you could be, look, the trolleys could be rolling, but if you're not at the designated stop, you'll miss it. And I love this because it says, it says what we need. Pentecost Sunday, it, it actually it, it started because there was 120 people that were in the right position. How, what do we know? It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, God says, watch what he says here. I want you to actually be assembled together. Uh, Jesus, being assembled together, commanded his followers not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Say it with me, wait. Wait, wait for the promise uh, of the Father, which is, he said, which you've heard from me. And then verse 8, watch what happens. This is so cool. Can you imagine being a, a young adult, being like a, most of these disciples were probably anywhere from maybe 16 to maybe 30 years old, which is kind of cool to think about that the early church was started by youth and young adults, which is funny today in the church world that you're like, oh, I'm only going to church with the pastor's over 60, and he's been in ministry for 40 years, and he has 13 seminary degrees. And it's like some churches make it harder to be a pastor, like Jesus couldn't work there. Have to have a seminary degree. Have to be over 36 years of age. Have to be married for at least five years. It's like, dude, Jesus couldn't work here. Another message. The early church was led by young adults. Makes you feel good at 36. Come on, somebody. But watch what it says here is, is they have a promise. Imagine being young, young adult, youth, and Jesus goes, hey, verse 8. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you shall be my witnesses. You're going to start backpacking Europe and Judea, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. All these young adults are like, I get to travel. They're excited about it. They're frequent flyer miles, got their Toomey luggage. Man, we're going to start traveling. 
But I want you to write this down because I think position is such a big part of changing the problems of humanity. It starts with this idea that I cannot go and tell effectively until I stay and wait. I want you to write this down. Position's a big deal because I've learned this, that we will never go and tell well until we have stayed and waited in the presence of Jesus first. I'll be real. I think many times we try to react to problems before we actually go to God and get his mind and his heart about a topic. You ever, you ever reacted to something immediately and gone, ah, I wouldn't have done that over again. But have you ever actually had something happen to you personally, and instead of reacting to it immediately, you actually prayed about it, you thought about it, you actually started thinking about it, and you had a, a different level of wisdom, wisdom and effectiveness because you actually marinated on that thing. I think this is so powerful, but the, the church was birthed not because people were ambitious to go, but because people were obedient to stay. I want us, I'm all about going, we will go, I'm telling you the Oceans Church, you will watch it unfold over the next five years, God told me by year five, we would have a headquarters campus here, I believe it will become one of the larger movements in Southern California, and year five, we'll start sending teams all over the world, every year, we'll sell a couple, we'll sell teams, and I believe we'll send millions of dollars with them to start communities like ours in different parts of the world, and and I'm telling you, the way we'll do it is because it's not because we're ambitious to go. It's because we're obedient to stay in his presence. What I've learned is quality will always attract quantity. Oftentimes, we want to go do a lot before we actually experience a lot. And the truth is, we can only give what we have. And you have a bunch of broken people trying to wound the brokenness of the world. I think we've got to let God do a work in marriages before we start trying to counsel other marriages. I don't think drowning people are the ones that are qualified to save those that are drowning. I love what Cameron said. What is the message of the gospel? Is that God help me. So if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Christianity at its lowest common denominator is one beggar telling the other beggars where they found bread. And I do believe that Christianity gets weird when it only becomes about me being healthy and not about God healed me so I can bring health to those that are still sick. Sorry, I had to settle down. I haven't preached in a while. Missed you guys. Let's, let's look at this. It says, number two, is that what do we need? What do we need to look like God's desire, even for the early church, is they were in the right position. The second thing that they did, it's very interesting, is it says in chapter 1, verse 14, that they were assembled together, right? And they were all in one accord together. And it says that they began to pray. There's prayer. The word for prayer in the Greek language is actually where we get worship. So they weren't just praying. They were worshiping God. And after they worshiped, they, they, they were supplications, which is petitions. So it was the idea that they were going hard after God. But as they were going hard after God, they actually created an environment and an atmosphere where they could worship him. Now, I think this is so good because at the end of the day, the greatest thing that the church can do is touch the heart of God. I actually believe if we'll touch God's heart, we'll actually solve a lot of the problems that are in our community. I love this. Check this quote out. The church exists primarily not to entertain or encourage or to build self-esteem or to facilitate friendships, but to worship God. If it fails at that, it fails at all. All we do from start to end are mere promptings to the support, the ultimate, to support the ultimate goal of getting worshipers in touch with God. So Philip Yancey said there's something about church that when we can actually aim all of our hearts towards him, it has a way of unifying friendships, building community, creates a soil that our families thrive in. There's, yeah, you're going to clap. Come on, give him a good hand clap this morning. I, we honor God, and we worship him. And people say, Mark, we got to do more than pray. And I do think we live in an hour. I, I've been praying for, man, George Floyd's family. I've been praying for the brokenness that's, that's in our world right now. There is an evil. Again, I don't think it's new, but I think it's obvious. And I do, this is what God told me this week as I was praying. He said, Mark, as, as evil is getting more blatantly obvious, my power is going to get more blatantly obvious. And, and listen to me, you, 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 don't, you don't make no mistake about it, that when darkness gets darker, God's light shines brighter. Bible I read says that where sin abounds, grace, God's grace, it's even stronger. It abounds even more. And I was thinking about this because many times as a pastor, I'll, I'll text people and I'll say, hey, I heard this hard thing happen to you or this challenging time, and I start praying for him. And after I start praying for him, I usually text you, and I say, hey, praying for you. Those two go together. Shocker. 
And I do it, and you know, it's funny, you look at social media sometimes, and people get criticized for just saying, praying. Praying for the nation, praying for the land. And I get what they're trying to say is they're trying to say we got to do more than pray. And I, and I agree, there's a time for action. But I do also, if I could, if I could just be a pastor for a moment and remind people that I think when you say we have to do more than prayer, I agree. But I also want to remind you that prayer is the greatest thing that we can do, though. Because everything that visibly is changed is usually first changed in the unseen realm. Can I remind you that we're not battling? Paul writes, who's a pretty decent theologian, he uh. He says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6. He actually says that we're actually wrestling not against flesh and blood. It's not about racial divides or social economic divides or male versus female or gender divides or country divides or political divides. He says the battle that humanity is fighting is actually against not flesh and blood but of principalities and powers. It's rulers, it says, against powers, rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. So I think if we were to go, hey, well, what did the early church do in the face of slavery, in the face of darkness, in the face of of tyranny that was happening in Rome? Uh, I would like to remind you that it says they were in the right place, and they began to worship and pray together. Doesn't seem good enough. I want you to know, I think if we could see in the unseen realm, I think when we get to heaven, we'll look down, and I bet you every Sunday morning that we're in this room together, and all of our voices are going up. Do you know, my, my father did a study of light and music. There is actually, at the lowest scientific levels, they have proven that light actually carries sound, and sound actually carries light. And they say that the stars actually speak to each other in, in ways through the light and through the sound. So I was thinking about this. When we get to heaven, I wonder how... How when we get together on Sunday mornings and all of us are magnifying God with our voices, I believe there is a light that goes through the roof and it actually starts pushing back the darkness in the communities. And that's why if I was the devil, you know what I'd try to do is I would try to, dis- I would try to discourage collective gatherings for churches when cities are going through riots. That's what I would do. I would say, hey, no one get together. No, everyone stay apart because we, there's something collaborative. I'm not saying you have to come per- fit in person if you don't feel comfortable. But I'm telling you, there is something powerful when we come together. Anybody agree that watching a fire on TV is a little bit different than sitting by the campfire? Just me, okay. I want you to write this down, is they prayed and they worshiped together. And I do believe that unity is a byproduct of worshiping and praying together. I want to say that when we pray and worship together, I I believe that, that evil in our flesh begins to diminish. No one is qualified. I love this quote. I actually wrote it down, and I actually found it this service, which is great. But Dallas Willard had this great quote. The revolution of Jesus first and always is a revolution of the human heart. His revolution of character, which proceeds by changing people from the inside out through the ongoing personal relationship with the Holy Spirit and one another. It's a revolution, check this out, that changes people's ideas. It changes people's beliefs. It changes people's feelings and their habits. Do you know what changes people? Let me, let me remind everybody, it is the presence of God. I would go on the record to say that when you get close to God, there is no truer version of who you're called to be than who you are in the presence of God. You take a person away from the presence of God, it's almost like taking a coal away from all the other coals, and you burn out. I want you to say this. I, I want to state for the record that coals were meant to burn. And I do believe that many people are scared of the Holy Spirit because they've seen wildfire, but I'll tell you right now, I'd rather, have, I'd rather deal with a little bit of wildfire than no fire. Because we have a lot of people that are living in the smoke of past revivals. We have people that are talking about how God moved at Azusa Street and how God moved at, man, back William Seymour and the early church and all these revivalists. I'm telling you that we're still hungry for God to move today. Prayer and worship changes things. Can we get an amen on that? Changes things. Third thing that we see after they prayed and they worshiped is there is unity. They were in one place, there was one purpose, there was one passion. And I do believe that God's, this is interesting, but Jesus' last prayer before he went to the cross, uh, other than the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was with his disciples, is he said, Lord, would you make them one? And I actually believe that God's not coming back probably right now because there is no, no church widespread on the earth that is one like God prayed it to be one. I think that before Jesus returns physically, we will see a church that's unified. That seems impossible. Well, last time I checked, the Bible says nothing is impossible with God. 
All right. You're quiet this service. Let's go, let's go to this next point. So there's unity, one place, one call, one passion. And this was interesting. When this happened, uh, Stacey can come, up, can come up on the keys. I'm almost finished up today. Is, uh, it says that God re- God's reaction to their ingredients of being in the right position, praying and worshiping together, and being unified, was that there was a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. You know what's cool about wind? Is wind can be felt but not seen. You know why most people don't believe in God? Because they can't see him. If you don't believe in God because you can't see him, you shouldn't believe in wind either. But I learned this about wind is wind can be gentle, but it can also be forceful. And I believe the Holy Spirit is just like that. He can be a gentle breeze. He can come in and gently encourage you. Or he can come in like a mighty rushing wind and actually change things that took generations to screw up in your family and change things vibrantly and suddenly. He's a mighty rushing wind. People say, Mark, what's the Holy Spirit? What's the Trinity all about? I, I like to use the illustration of the sun. The sun is one entity, right? But the sun is something that you can physically see, the S-U-N. That's like the Father. He can be right. He's, he's there. And then, and then Jesus would be like the light. Suns produce light. And so suns are not only seen, but it produces light. That would be like Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit would be like the heat that's felt from the sun. It's one entity, but it's affected three different ways. And I believe the Holy Spirit is the part of God. Listen, you, some of you are you're like, Man, when they started singing today, I just felt like, I felt emotional, or I felt, man, warm on the inside, or I felt a little, who's ever got the goosebumps? The goosebumps? I think God's in this place. The presence of God's here. You know, when we started this church, we didn't really want to move. We, we were happy in Idaho. We, we didn't want to, we didn't want to move. But um, we kind of came to this conclusion that um, life wasn't about safety and comfort. Like, the goal of life isn't just to make a lot of money and to buy your dream house and to, like, live in the right neighborhood and put your kids in the right school and, like, be close to all your family and friends. Those are all great things. I'm not, I'm not against any of that. But Rochelle and I kind of had kind of conclusions. We loved our church. We loved our family. We loved our friends. We loved Idaho. We had a beautiful house. And um, we kind of came to this conclusion, is the goal of life comfort and safety and convenience? Or is the goal of life to discover why God made you and just throw yourself into it? And um, we kind of came to this thought that, um, you know, I think, I think our purpose here is to, uh, is to go after all that he has for our life. And uh, so we, we moved here. And, you know, when we first started the church, we were at Capitol Valley High School. And this is wild. But, you know, in the last 90 Sundays, we've had, we're knocking on 800 people get their lives to Jesus. People that we moved here, like thousands. No, we, we moved here with, there was eight, there was my family for the first eight weeks. We had, we had 10 people move from Idaho. We had two people after that moved from, from Texas. We had one person move from Florida. And that was the founding crew of Ocean's Church. Started in my living room. And I'm telling you, um, one of the things that was so special when we first started at the at theater is we, every week we'd have people that have been in churches their whole life, that have been in churches in Orange County their whole life, that have left into our lobbies. And every week Rochelle would say this, Mark, they just cried. People would just cry. Some of you guys just cry. You come out of the lobby, just tears flowing on your, your cheeks going, I haven't felt the Holy Spirit's present like this in so long. I think Orange County has done a phenomenal job of creating a godly environment that honors God for, the, for a whole. But I think if we're being honest, we've been kind of shy at talking about the deeper end of the swimming pool. And God told us that we'd be Oceans Church because oceans are deep, but they're also shallow. And I'll be honest with you, deep parts of the ocean are scary if you don't know how to swim. And I really felt like God told us to be Ocean's Church because we were going to teach people how to swim in the deeper things of God. Not because we're great, not because we're gifted, but I really do believe that that's, that's a church we were raised in in Idaho. It was naturally spiritual. It was spiritually natural. There was power. There was miracles. There were signs. There was wonders. There was gifts. There was fruit. Some churches are so full of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but there is no fruit of the Holy Spirit. And other church has tons of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They do more good deeds than anybody, but there is no power of God. I don't believe you have to sacrifice one at the expense of the other. Because reality is, there's only three responses to the Holy Spirit. Can you write this down? I'm close. You can actually be amazed by Him and worship Him. It says this. It says they heard these 120. I'll talk about tongues in the future. I'll talk about some of these deeper things that most pastors are scared to talk about. But today, I'll keep it at this. Is There's only three responses to the Holy Spirit. Number one, they were either amazed and they worshiped. You know, they, they caused this, this adoration. Number two, they were perplexed. You ever been a, you ever, come on, there's a lot of people, like, confused. What is the Holy Spirit? What is the gifts? What is the power? What is, 
What's still for today? What left with the apostles? I don't read any verses that say, and my power will be on the earth until Peter dies. I don't read any verses that says, when John passes away, so is the glory. I want you to know the same God that did it then is still doing it now. Well, the church I grew up in said it doesn't happen anymore. Well, it doesn't happen there anymore. Because that church is getting what it's believing for. God always honors expectations. Our little college group in Idaho went from 12 students, like this church, to over 1,600 people, young adults, meeting in a theater. Three services. We'd have four or 500 people getting saved at our big events one night. And it happened because there was an, a, a spiritual revival that hit Boise State. Because I just started talking about the things that are in the Bible that we don't have to be scared of. Can I ask you a question? If it's in the Bible and Paul and Peter and Jesus were not scared of it, why would you be scared of it? Could I go a little deeper on this? I think we always have to be leery of pastors and preachers that make us scared of things that Paul, Jesus, and Peter were not scared of. So if it's in the Bible, we're, we're, we're with it. If he's for it, I'm for it. Well, I heard growing up, I saw on TV abuse. Look, there's, there is always abuse. Just because someone abused something, usually you can only abuse something that's actually usually real. Does that make sense? So I saw a crazy extreme in the body of Christ with this truth or that truth. Usually what happens in the body of Christ is one generation will take a truth and they'll run with it to an extreme and they'll take it too far. It's like when grace goes wild. Come on. And it gets so wild that the next generation goes, I don't want that grace. I want, I want godliness. I want, and they go so far with godliness and righteousness and holiness that they, they run back to legalism. And then, then their kids grow up and go, man, mom and dad were so legalistic. I'm going to go out. I'm going to live crazy. I'm under grace. And every generation goes from one extreme to the other extreme, the other extreme. Can we just find a middle ground? I'm with the power. I'm with the fruit. I want the wisdom of God, but I also want the power of God. It's not one or the other. Some churches have structure, but they don't have spirit. Some churches have spirit, but no structure. And I do believe that the world will be changed by a church that honors both. There is those that honor the Holy Spirit that are amazed. There are those that are perplexed by the Holy Spirit and confused. And still, there's those that mock. And I want you to know, maybe you're here today and you mock. And I would just... I would graciously, lovingly suggest if you're going to mock any part of the Godhead, I would not mock the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in the Bible talks about not mocking the Son or not, not mocking the Father, but over and over again, it warns about messing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's special. He's not a, a it. He's not a force. He's a person. He can be grieved. He can be lied to. He's an advocate. He's a comforter, and he's a guide. Jesus said he's our helper, and the Holy Spirit will come into your life and actually give you the appetite of Jesus. Would you write that down? The Holy Spirit's favorite thing to do is to give his people the appetite of Jesus. And we live in a world that like, well, you got to change. You shouldn't talk like that. You shouldn't live like that. You shouldn't be like that. And the problem is when we make church about social causes only and we say we can't rip that apple off the tree, rip that apple off the tree, get rid of that apple off the tree. You, if you only address the fruit of humans' sins, what will happen is you'll address it, but, but after a little bit, after the media stops talking about it, that apple will grow back. But if we can get to the bottom line of humanity, what changes the appetites of human hearts? The Bible I read says in Acts 2.37 that they were cut to the heart. You know what cuts people to the heart? The presence of the Holy Spirit. So for me, you're never going to see me on Sunday morning spending an entire Sunday talking about a social cause. Because I believe beyond not saying that those aren't real. I'm just saying that above every social injustice is a gospel message that actually changes everything underneath it. Are you hearing me? So when I got, let me just give you a real example. When I became a Christian, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Power of God hit me. I'm going to speak in a language I'd never spoken before. That's power of God. No one told me what it was. No one explained it to me theologically. I had a God encounter. An hour and a half at a camp. I was on the floor crying. I like the waterfall snot, had eyes. You know what I'm talking about? The <sighs> crying. I wasn't in pain. I was under power. And it's crazy. When I got up off the ground, no one told me, stop looking at pornography. No one told me, stop sleeping with my girlfriend. 
No one told me stop doing this, stop doing that, stop smoking that, stop, stop, stop partying there, stop saying those jokes. No one, no one told me about my, my, my vocabulary. No one told me to change. But for some reason, I got off the ground from the presence of the Holy Spirit, and my appetite was, was changed. I, all of a sudden, I did things I used to do, and I'm like, that doesn't feel right anymore. I feel dirty. I should apologize. I should throw that away. Can I be really honest? Can I be honest with church? I was like a normal little perverted little teenage boy. I had dirty magazines. I'm going to keep it real in church, 100%. I'll never forget this. I took dirty magazines downstairs to my bedroom, into my fireplace, and my grandpa Pats, who was a Marine veteran, a pretty rough man, alcoholic, smoked more than a chimney. He was sitting in his lazy boy in our house, and he saw me put all these magazines in the fireplace and set fire to them. He goes, Mark, what are you doing? I said, that's not who I am anymore. I don't need that to be happy. I don't need that to feel normal. Listen, not every thought that goes through your skull belongs to you. I'm not, I'm going to be pure. I don't need that any, I'm going to be holy. I, I want to be, listen, the Holy Spirit gives you the appetite of Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I'm scared today that we preach a gospel that makes you grateful about God, but not godly. And the Holy Spirit does not just want to make you grateful. Man, God gets me to heaven. The message of the gospel isn't just going to heaven. It's heaven coming into the earth. That's what it is. It's a gospel here, now. And many people settle for just going to heaven, but they never experience the kingdom of God invading the earth. The early church preached that the kingdom has come. How does it, how does it come? You know what a kingdom is? It is the king's rule. What is a king's rule? A king's rule is basically anywhere that your desires are coming to pass. If you rule your house, you can go, that apple tree is going in that part of the yard. If you own your home, you go, man, that's where I'm putting a flower bush right there. I'm, I'm pulling that tree out. That's coming out of the yard. That's going in the yard. If you rule that yard, you can do what you want in it. You know what the kingdom is when it comes to the earth? It's when you start seeing the desires of heaven materializing in your city. That's the kingdom message. And that's why we exist here in Orange County. I better stop. I want to pray today that God would give us a message that would cut hearts, change minds, that make people hungry to baptize themselves, get into the waters of baptisms. We're in some holy hot tubs. Come on, in Orange County. We're going to do an ocean baptism this summer. I believe we're going to have thousands get baptized. And not only that, whenever the, Holy, whenever the gospel is really preached, there's always a heightened hunger for the Holy Spirit. I want to be really honest today. You don't have to be Pentecostal to love the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be super crazy to love the Holy Spirit. You don't have to own a banner, shofar, come on, to love the Holy Spirit. You can actually dress normal, talk normal, you don't have to speak Christianese. The language is Zion. Are you following me? I'm telling you that you can actually be normal and be full of his power. And I guess all I would ask you, if Ocean's is going to be your church, all I ask, this is my simple, I'm, I'm not smart, but I'm just like a simple man. I would just say this, is if you could know God at a 10, would you want to know him at a 10? Well, Mark, I grew up, I, I heard you don't only know him at a 2. Okay, that's fine. We don't want to argue that. But let me ask you this. If there is something beyond two that exists, and let me even let me let me, let me put a little clause in there, and it's, some of it's beyond your your IQ, and some of the things in this Bible are actually beyond your little eight pound brain, and what you can fathom. That's what's so funny. You know, people are like, oh, I I studied and I discovered that God's not this or that. It's like, you think you you had an eight pound brain? It took you four years to tie your shoes. It took you three years to put sentences together. It took you 18 years to think that you're normal. It took you four more years to think that you're a little bit smarter than the rest. Some of you took another two years, four years to think, man, I'm, I'm it. And I'm telling you right, you think that in like, yeah, you think 20, 30 years you figured out the infinite God? You really think that? And I'm going to say there are some things in the Bible, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand everything. But just because I don't understand it fully doesn't mean I can't trust him completely. Say it one more time. Just because there's things in this book that I can't understand completely doesn't mean I can't trust God fully. Can we agree on that? So here at Oceans, we're not going to be weird, but I do want to say this. We're going to be hungry for God. Is that okay? Why don't you, why don't you quietly stay at your feet? Close your eyes. You can pretend you're holding your neighbor's hand. 
Lord, we're just so grateful for your presence. We're so grateful that whether we're watching online right now, that you're going to do something powerful in our midst. I know we're a little out of time right now, so I pray that you do it faster than normal. I ask you for people that are physically sick. I saw last service, there was someone that had like calcium buildup on their ribs. I saw a picture of it. A lot of times God will give me an image in my head. I can see it or I start feeling something in my body physically. I feel like someone in here, like you have maybe problems, maybe you're online, but there's someone that has like a really uncomfortable part of your hand. I don't know if it's like, um, what is it called when you, uh, uh, you have a hard time kind of opening, closing, your, uh, like arthritis, but carpal tunnel. Someone has carpal tunnel really bad. And I see God healing it today. Why would God heal something so minor as something like this or that? I want you to know if it matters to you, it matters to God. And oftentimes before God saves a soul, he'll actually heal a body. And I pray right now for anyone in the room, there's someone that's been really like depressed lately. There's even some young people in here, you've been cutting yourself. Uh, There's just some things that have been happening. It's like a darkness that's been plaguing you. And I pray right now, I take authority over any any, uh, pestering, uh, any just it's like a pestering type of like I can't get those thoughts out of my head I I can't get those that that darkness it just it's looming over my kids it's looming maybe it's over you and I just take authority right now as the pastor of this house we serve an eviction notice to any spirit that's not the Holy Spirit anything that does not belong to God we command you whether it's online or whether it's in this room we pray in Jesus Christ's name that you would fill every temple that you'd fill every body we thank you that right now you would come. We pray might, splendor, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by your, come on, spirit. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to every square foot of our mind, our hearts. I pray you would do what what doctors could not do. I pray you do what medications could not do. I pray you do what surgeries could not do. I pray you would cast out what counselors could not counsel out. I pray that you would do the impossible. And I ask you that, Lord, in one minute, God, you're a gentle breeze, but you're also a mighty rushing wind. I pray you blow the generational darkness out of our family lines. I pray you kill giants that have been in our family. I pray giants of substance abuse. I pray the giants of perversion, of divorce, of lying, of cheating, of greed. I pray right now that you would slay the giants of our family lines. Holy Spirit, we pray you would feel feel so welcome in our lives. We give you preeminence today. How many would just say as we close, Mark, I want to give God... I want to get in the right position. I want to give God permission to move me. How many feel like you need to move a little bit? Might be a little move or a big move. Go ahead and just come on. Give, give God a little wave all over the room. I feel like, God, I want to move a little bit. I need to move a little bit further over here. I don't want to miss the trolley. I don't want to miss the bus. God, move me, move me, move me. Come on, say it all over the room. Say, move me. God, we give you permission to move us today. I pray that there be a new desire. Who wants to go, man? I've been so starving for church, so starving for these people because there's something about worshiping and praying that I've missed. How many want to say, I want to go deeper and I want to get a deeper appetite for prayer and for the presence of God? Come on, just do me, give God a little wave offering. God, I want, to, I want to desire you more. I want to desire the Bible more. I want to desire prayer more. Come on, say, move me. God, I pray you would move us more into prayer. Move us more into your word. Move us more into your presence. And finally, we pray that we'd be unified. I pray there be no division in this church, no division in this city. We pray that this church and many, many others in this, in this region would bring unity to our, our county. And from this county to our state, from our state to our nation, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. How many just say, Mark, I want to be more united. I want to walk in unity in my marriage, my business, my children. How many say, I want to walk in unity. So, Father, right now, we lift our hands, give you a little wave offering, and we ask that you move us into unity. Say, move me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Final thing we're going to do today. We love you so much, Holy Spirit. And I just sense God, even right now, knocking on the doors of people's hearts. You know, last service, we had four people give their lives to Jesus. Um, And right now, we have people watching. Thousands are watching online right now. And So I pray whether you're online watching, you're on YouTube or Facebook, maybe you're on our website, or you're in this room. There's many in this room. If you want, you put your hands down just for a moment. If you know that you're not living with Jesus, for Jesus, I'm not asking you to become religious or weird. I'm asking you, you know that you've tried living without God and you're ready to start living with God. You want to give him permission to direct your life. Jesus is a far better boss than he is an employee. And many people have only known God as an employee and never known him as their boss. And I want to ask you, I've never thought about that before. That was a good thought, Holy Spirit. Um, If you want to make God your employer, not just your employee. Come on, he's not fire insurance from hell. 
He's, he's the director of my life. He's, the, he's a blessed controller and ruler of all things. If you want to invite God today online or in this room, do you a favor on the count of three? If you're online, you can just write, you can write me, M-E. It's kind of simple to do. Or you can put a heart, heart emoji. I never thought that I'd do an altar call saying, use an emoji heart. But we're doing it. People are doing it every week. You put an emoji heart. If you're watching online right now on Facebook, go ahead. That's me. And right now in the room, I'm just going to count to three. I'm ask everyone to close their eyes. It's a holy moment. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak to everyone that needs to get right with you today. I pray that no one would leave without inviting you to come in, know you in a deeper way. I pray everyone needs to respond. Respond right now. I pray on the count of three, slip your hands for me all over the room. No one's looking. One, I'm not going to embarrass you. Two, I'm just going to count your hands. We're going to pray together. That's it. All over the room, we'll pray. Would you do me a favor? That's me. I want to get my life back to God, get right with God. I want to be my employer, not my employee. Three, would you put up real high? That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Keep it up. I see hands going up. Awesome. So cool. Keep it up real fast for me. I'm going to count. I see three. Anybody else in the room? So cool. Three. So cool. Awesome. Let's give God a good hand clap. Come on. That's seven people today so far. We'll take it. Let's pray for those set, the, the three people in this service all together. Say it with me. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Would you fill me with your spirit? Speak to me. Lead me. Guide me from this day forward. Heal me where I'm broken and mold me to your image from this day forward. In Jesus' name, someone said amen. That's pretty awesome. Come on, one more hand clap real fast. You can grab a seat. If you, uh, if you raised your hand, I know we're a lot of time. I apologize for a couple minutes over. Um, but I would just say, if, you, if that's you today, if you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to download it on your phone. It's free. The Bible app is a free app. There's Bible plans on there that you can read. So many great resources online. We get Bibles for free away. Uh, in our lobby, so you feel free to go over there and grab a Bible. And um, we have a lost and found, so if you want to find a lost Bible, that was a joke. Uh, no, uh, but we have Bibles we give out. Um, if you don't have a church, I really encourage you, if you want to follow God in a serious way, it's just important to be around. If you want to get good at snowboarding, you got to hang out with snowboarders. And uh, just that, that's important. And uh, if, you're not, uh, if you're not in a small group yet, I'd encourage you to get plugged into a small group. You can go to oceanschurch.com and it has all of our groups on there. A lot of them are still on Zoom. Uh, some of them are starting to meet back in person. And uh, I really encourage you. Those three things, a church, a Bible, and a group. Is that all right? Say it with me. A church, a Bible, and a group. And a partridge. Come on, in a No. So good. Well, I love you guys so much. I'm excited for the weeks to come. We're just getting started. I'm so, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked. We have, just everyone's, you guys are all crazy. We're back. And we're excited. Good days ahead of us. Amen. Lord, would you bless us? Would you keep us, and would you cause your face to shine upon us? Give us an awesome week. Thank you for today, Lord. Be with our city, our country. Lead us into your, into your presence, God, into your peace. In Jesus' name, we ask and we pray. And everybody said...